What more could two single guys ask for? How about some food? Mm. I swallowed a big June bug when we were driving. I'm not really hungry. Welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. we got another interview lined up for you today, but first I wanted to give a shout out to Anarchy Coffee Roasters. Uh, they sent me some coffee in the mail that has been keeping me awake and going for the past little bit. Uh, Anarchy Coffee Roasters, they're out of BC. If you want to check them out, you can go check them out on Instagram at Anarchy Coffee Roasters or AnarchyCoffeeRoasters.com. Uh, if you like punk rock and you like coffee, there really is no better combination, if you ask me. It's as simple as that. So go check it out, Anarchy Coffee Roasters. Uh, so here's the thing. We got another interview lined up for you today. Uh, this time, Aaron is going to be interviewing Jacob, uh, Jacob Doney. We'll get the full name in there. But before that, I did want to say... Uh, make sure you go follow us on your social medias at Growing Punk Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Our personal Instagrams and Twitters are there as well. You can find us online, growingpunkpod.com, uh, on all your major podcast apps. Please subscribe, tell your friends, let's spread the love of the show. Uh, so we're going to get into this. On this episode, Aaron spends time talking with one of his favorite tattoo artists, Jacob Doney. Uh, Jacob is a Southern California-based American traditional tattoo artist that spent his childhood, teenage years, and now adult years immersed in the punk, hardcore, and metal scenes. Uh, Jacob has a really cool story of how he got into tattooing and how it saved his life. I'm excited for you to hear this story, to hear this interview. Jacob recently started uh, releasing band-inspired tattoo flash as well as a tattoo-inspired clothing company. Aaron and Jacob talk about how music and art work together and how creativity impacts so many areas of life, including mental health. So without further ado, let us get into it. It's Aaron chatting with Jacob Doney on Grown Up Punk. He likes to act like he's all grown up. He wanted to grow up to be an actor, but he never told anybody. He likes to spill all of his guts on the top of a well-stocked bar And then swallow them bit by bit, remembering every scar It's a valid reason for every drink And a new tattoo is a new reason to What was your experience like growing up with music? When did you discover music and when did it kind of start to impact your life? Um, that's a tough one. So I grew up in a divorce home. Um, so I was primarily with my mom and then I would be with my dad sometimes on the weekends or kind of a little bit more spread out. Um, but I would say this is might sound odd, but my dad wasn't really a big music guy. He was more... I don't know. Like he, there wasn't a lot of music going on. Like when I was around my dad, I swear my mom, it was like the polar opposite. She got me into bands like ACDC, Metallica, Journey, because my mom was the type of person that she would be cleaning house and have rock and roll music, Bob Seger, Tom Petty, basically a lot of classic rock. <clears throat> and I think the thing that really flipped the switch for heavy music was Metallica because my stepbrothers uh, were really into Metallica. And then my mom was into Metallica, oddly enough. 
So I remember as early as fifth grade, um, I saw my older brothers, they were shaving the sides of their head, but leaving the top. Cause that's kind of like what the, the metal heads were doing at the time. And I remember I got that haircut in fifth grade. And I remember getting in trouble for wearing a, one of my older brother's Metallica shirts to school. Cause it had like a middle finger on it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's like my earliest memories. I mean, I was in elementary school and like, I don't think I really knew what Metallica was about or even like the lyrics. I just knew that whenever I listened to that music, it made me feel like a certain kind of way that no other music did. Mm. Uh, but the thing is, is there's like a huge contrast in my likes of music. Like my wife, she likes pop music and I love that stuff. I can listen to a song that <clears throat> even if it's way overly produced, I mean, I, I can still like that song um, for either the way it makes me feel or what it's talking about. So I, I think I'm very guilty in that aspect as far as being pretty open-minded to music. I mean, there's there's a few things that I just don't really care for, but I think, you know, I like everything in between. A lot of super heavy stuff is probably like my go-to. Yeah. Uh, a lot of punk rock, I would say like probably like youth, like probably I'm trying to think how old I was. Probably like when I was around like 13 was when I started getting into punk rock. You know, it started off with like Green Day, Blink-182, stuff like that. And then, you know, I had made friends. This is what's funny is, you know, when I was younger, I ran with more of like the popular, I guess you would call preppy crowd. And then I started having trouble in school. So I started running with the punk rock kids because I felt like even though, you know, because I went in this weird phase where people were starting to party and do drugs and do stuff like that. And I, that was never me. Like they just, I don't know. I was never a big drinker never really wanted to do drugs. Like all that stuff freaked me out. So I identified more with the punk rock guys, even though they were pretty rowdy and they liked to party too. It was like, I felt like they were pretty decent human beings and like they would never, you know, push me to drink or do anything crazy. So I think for that reason, I don't know. And I, you know, I think around that time I was starting to kind of figure out my identity. So I kind of you know, felt kind of like a misfit. And I, I felt like I fit in more with those kind of people, which is funny because it kind of came out of nowhere. You know, like I wasn't, I, I wouldn't consider myself a punk rocker. It was just, you know, I got held back in eighth grade and then, you know, I lost a lot of friends because of that. And then, you know, I made friends with a bunch of punk rock guys that were in the grade below me. And that's kind of like when there was a shift as far as like the crowd I was hanging out with. But I really liked the community of punk rockers and, um, which is funny because even though I liked metal, I never really ran with like a lot of the metalhead guys or anything like that. Uh, not for any, any reason in particular. It's just, I don't know. I think, you know, I started getting tattooed young and I just, I really liked the vibe of the punk rock kids, man. So I think that's what got me. Now, when I say punk rock, um, I would say more like skate punk, you know, Pennywise, yeah. Randy, stuff like that. Um, but then on the other spectrum, like you and I have talked about, um, you know, bands like Sick of Change, you know, and uh, Dogwood was a band that I got into. Um, and that was all because of my older brother. So the funny thing is, like, my brother got saved. I want to say he was in high school. So I was probably in middle school. And I remember him coming home and he would have those CDs that would be like a sampler, you know, so it'd be like Betty Rocket or Solid State yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, it, it's funny because people that know about that it's a small circle so like it's like when someone brings up that genre of like christian punk rock or you know hardcore it's like 
it's like when you see someone that drives a Jeep, it's like there's that common like, you know, oh, what's up? You know, you know what I'm talking about, you know? Was there ever like tension in your friend circle, like between, you know, Christian punk and just regular music or was it all kind of the same, like in the area where you were, where there, you know, were you going to shows, seeing bands, was it all mixed together or was it quite kind of separated for you? Um, to be honest, I don't know if I knew of a single Christian that was into the stuff that I was into because like it was always looked at as like an oxymoron. It's like, you know, being a Christian went against the the roots of punk rock and metal, at least to those guys. I mean, especially metal guys like or like, you know, the guys that are into death metal. You know, a lot of that stuff is borderline satanic. So it's like if you would even mention like if you say Christian metal, they'd laugh, you know. Mm. Um, but to be honest, like I never identified so much with the lyrics, I, even though I know a lot of people do. To be honest, with you, I hate a lot of metal lyrics. It wasn't until I found a lot of Christian metal bands or even bands like Killswitch Engage, even though they're not a Christian band, like they were the first band. And I was like, OK, they have, you know, somewhat uplifting lyrics um, or or some bands you don't even know what the heck they're saying. <laughs> so you never really thought about it. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh i think um yeah i was i was kind of a black sheep in that sense and bull was crazy it's like no one no one cared everyone kind of respected it was almost like a straight edge you know it's like i knew a lot of guys who were straight edge and i never thought that, that was weird or crazy and i think that's how all my friends were at least in high school you know even if they weren't about going to church or doing anything like that they always respected that i wasn't going to do certain things or that i was into certain things you know and um or they would even show me bands. I remember the first the first guy that showed me August Burns Red was actually one of my buddies who's a punk rock dude. He burned me the CD in high school. He goes, hey, dude, you should check out this band. And that was back when people would still download music illegally and then burn CDs. So, you know, he gave me that CD and then I was like, okay, that, that like kind of pushed me into like the metalcore and the even heavier stuff. Because at the time it was more like Under Oath when they were first coming out and a lot of screamo bands. Um, but the thing that really got me going was was the guitar work of metal because i never was a big hardcore guy and you know a lot of my friends that were in the punk rock a lot of them transitioned over to hardcore too you know especially hardcore punk you know um like bands like terror and stuff like that yeah but it was just not for me i i liked what it was about and i liked you know i liked the scene but it just didn't do anything for me i think you know the, the skate punk was kind of more my thing. I think the reason why I like metal and I like skate punk is because I like ex like very melodic music, but then I also like heavy music. So yeah, me too. if something was just too heavy, that's why I never liked death metal because there was never enough melodicness for me. Um, but to each their own, you know, I, I uh, you know, there would be bands that my buddies would show me. I'm like, oh yeah, that band's pretty good, you know, like, wasn't too many bands I hated. It's just I kind of knew what I liked, and it was usually either melodic or pretty technical on guitars. Those were like the two things that I looked for. Yeah, was what was the local scene like there? Like, were you going to shows around this time, or was it more just kind of listening to music while you were, you know, skating or tattooing or whatever? Um, so I would say it started with Metallica. Um, I remember, you know, when I was young. I had trying to remember, oh, it was the Kill 'Em All. I had it on cassette, and we had a boombox at my house. And at the time, if you had a boombox that plugged into the wall, if you bought batteries, you know, you could put batteries in it and then unplug it and take it outside. So I remember the first time I heard that song, "Pulling Teeth" by Metallica, and I remember 
I played it really loud out front of my house and I was imagining that it was like my skate video part, you know, and I was like, okay, if I was in a skate video, this would be my, my song I played. And I remember I would just practice like skateboard tricks and I must have been probably 10 or 11 at this time. Like I was pretty young. I was still probably like fifth going into sixth grade around that time. Mm. And I don't know, like it was weird. Like I didn't know what the lyrics were about or anything. I just knew that when I heard that kind of music, it, it like put me in a great mood, you know, like the same way someone puts on a pop song or whatever they're into, you know, it was what was considered aggressive to a lot of people. Like that was my feel good music. Um, and it could have just, you know, because I was raised around Metallica or just having older brothers. But I think those were my earliest memories. Like I said, when I was around like 11, um, I remember I got in trouble by my dad because, you know, my dad, you know, was a pretty conservative Christian. So, you know, he caught me listening to my Walkman and I had bought the Black Album on cassette and he was really upset, you know, because he was like, why are you listening to this devil music, you know? Mm. But I didn't know. Like I said, I didn't. I didn't listen to any of the lyrics or anything like that. I just made you want to tap your foot and kind of headbang, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if your mom was listening to it, and so then you know, on one side it's like, oh, okay, well, mom's listening to it, it must be fine. So, you know, you don't always question those things until a parent kind of brings it up and it's like, oh, I didn't know there was anything wrong with this. But exactly, and it's, I don't know, like, I think for me it was all just so new and exciting that I didn't have any preconceived notion about it. You know, it was like, I was still discovering it. So I didn't see the bad things that they might've considered bad at the time. Um, and I think that they were just worried that I was going to like fall into like that scene or maybe just bind the lyrics or I don't know what their thoughts were, but I never really did. And as I got older, to be honest, like there was bands that I loved them for their music, but I hated that their lyrics, you know? Yeah still listening to them and then i would have christian friends like dude you listen to that band like they're like satanic i'm like well like i don't really <laughs> listen to their lyrics i just like the guitar work or whatever so i think that's kind of always how i've been i mean there's definitely certain bands that i won't listen to if they're gonna bum me out but um i think when it comes to like metalcore and a lot of the heavier stuff like if it's good i'll listen to it um so long as the lyrics aren't like you know too overbearing yeah, and I think that's one of the, the areas that, you know, I mean, this has come up lots of times with talking about, you know, parents and different restrictions. And, you know, they're coming from it from a very, like, you know, is this going to affect my child's behavior or turn them one way or the other? Whereas, like you said, like, when you hear something, it's like, oh, this sounds good. This makes me excited. I'm not thinking about, like, joining a cult when I listen to this. It just, or, yeah. you know, whatever. I know it's extreme, but... You know, so I mean, I had the same thing. You know, parents are thinking this, and like, why? Why is that what you think this music's gonna do? But again, you know, they have no context of you know what the music is, or so you know, I, I bug my parents about it now, and and they're they're quick to say like, well, you know, they grew up very conservative, so when they have a, a kid that's into this kind of music, right? Like they've there wasn't internet back then, and there wasn't no way for them to like look up what this band was or lyrics or anything, so. But I, I love that part of, of my music journey. Like, it was, you know, now kids just kind of play whatever, find it online, or maybe their parents don't care. And I like that that was part of it. Like, cause it was all about discovering, you know, you find something that's like, oh, I know, I know I need to hide this. And there's just something about it that yeah. kind of sticks in your mind. It's like, I remember the albums that I hid from my parents. And, you know, not because it was anything that wrong, but it's just like, oh, I don't want my mom, like, asking me about this Green Day album or whatever. And so... Yeah. And, and to be honest, like when I first started playing Azalea Dying um, in my room, I remember my mom came in and she was like, 
why are you listening to like devil music? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, they sound like demonic. And I was like, no, I was like, this is actually a Christian band, you know? And at the time, I mean, As Lay Dying was considered a Christian band. And, you know, that's when I was starting to get into Under Oath and bands like that. So I think when those two ideas kind of came together, that the fact that a band could be really heavy, but have like a positive message, I think I really liked that because it was just one more bonus. Like I said, because the stuff before, I liked it purely for the music, but then when it, you know, when I kind of identified with the lyrics, I was like, okay, I can get even more into this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, it's easy to sing every word to a song. Like even with metalcore bands, I'll find myself singing the words without really thinking about what it's saying. So it's like, sometimes I had to even catch myself like a band I really like that I've had to do that with is darkest hour. Um, Yeah, Yeah. I love darkest hour, but there's, there's been some songs that I've like listened to for years that I know the words. And then like, I'm like, I'll just barely be like, Oh dude, like that's what he's saying. And <laughs> like, it's, it'll be something pretty dark, you know? Um, but again, it's like, I, I always just like them for their music and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just as simple as that. And I, and I think I went through that phase where, you know, at least in school where you could only like one thing, you know, it's like the, the punk rock dudes and the metal heads, like those were clearly two separate things. Um, but I think as I grew and realized like, Hey dude, you can like whatever, you know, you can like, you know, doo-wop oldies, you can like country, whatever, you know, whatever for me, anything that made me feel a certain way or just made me get that good feeling inside of like, okay, I like this, you know, no matter what it was. And that's even true today. Like my wife, she likes a lot of pop music and I know just about all the words to the same stuff she listens to, just like I know the stuff I listen to. So I think my kids see both. And my kids could care less about the music I listen to. Um, I think they like stuff right now that they can understand, <laughs> which I totally get, you know, like the stuff that's on the radio. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think either of us push it on them, you know. So if my son ended up liking EDM or whatever it is, you know, because I'm sure whatever my kids like will seem outrageous to me, just like it was to my parents. So I'll just try to embrace it and try to get into it and, you know, like, hey, that's cool, you know, but at least give my two cents if it's you know something that i think is absolutely terrible <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah. kind of changing gears a bit how did you get into tattooing and and how much did music play into that um well i think the funny thing is is i feel like tattoos and music go hand in hand like I, I same with skateboarding like a lot of guys that i knew skateboarded usually had tattoos or a lot of guys that had tattoos played in bands so it's like growing up with older brothers and an older sister i always saw people like that um, around me, um, being the youngest child. Um, so it was never weird to me. Like if I saw a dude with a mohawk or piercings, like I wasn't like, Oh, what's wrong with that guy? You know, it was kind of a normal thing for me. So I think, you know, the music was kind of a gateway to tattoos. Um, even though I wasn't around tattooing as a kid, you know, my sister had gotten tattooed and I was starting to see more tattoos on people that would come by the house and things like that. So, I mean, the way I got into tattooing is kind of, kind of a fluke man because I was kind of going nowhere in life because I probably from fifth to sixth grade was like the big transition for me to where I did good in school I never had issues with school and then once school kind of started getting hard um, it just seemed like I just couldn't get school down it was just like I have and that's true to this day like if if something does not interest me you can't pay me money to learn about it or figure it out. But yeah. if it's something really passionate about, then I'll jump headfirst into it. And I think that's 
kind of the issue that I had with school. And the reason I bring up school is because I ended up dropping out of school uh, my junior year of high school. Like, like I said, I got held back in eighth grade, um, never did my classwork, never did my homework, you know. And it was frustrating because I would see my friends come to school with their homework done and I saw the way that they would look you know, when they got good grades, it just never registered for me. So when I was in my junior year, I just remembered everyone talking about what college they wanted to go to or what job they wanted to do. So I kind of went through that identity crisis phase where I was like, dude, what the heck am I going to do? Like, cause, uh, you know, if I continue the path I'm on, like I'm going to be a loser, you know, I'm going to mm. do nothing, you know? Um, so there was kind of this like shift that happened because um, to be honest, I, I would consider myself an extremely lazy person at that time. I was just kind of going through life on cruise control, you know, doing the bare minimum, doing what I kind of had to. And then I think what kind of gave me the, the kick in the pants that I needed was uh, I was I started doing homeschooling because I developed anxiety issues as a kid. I developed social anxiety when I was around 12. So I started doing homeschooling and I mean, dude, I was not really doing anything with my life. I would just watch TV all day, eat junk food, you know, play video games, draw a lot. But like I wasn't doing anything that you should be doing when you're almost 18. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So to get back to the tattooing, it was like, you know, my mom came home one day because I remember that was always like a thing with her and I like I would stay home all day. And she had a hard time with that because she's like, hey, like, if you're not going to school, like, you need to be doing chores, like, you need to, like, help me around the house. And I was in that, like, I don't have to do it, you know, kind of a rebellious phase. And I remember she finally came home one day and started crying. And, you know, we got into an argument and she was like, you know, that that's it. Like, I've had enough. She's like, you can't live here no more. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, where am I going to go? She's like, you're going to go live with your dad. So that was like a reality check because, you know, I lived with my mom pretty much my whole life. So I was like, oh, okay. So when I, when I went to live with my dad, like I loved it in the sense that I got to hang out with my pops more, but it was kind of like, okay, if I continue down this path, it's only going to keep getting worse. So that's when I was like, okay, I got to get a game plan going. So from there, I won't get to it. Cause I mean, it's kind of a long process how I got into tattooing, but I think it was around that time. It was like, okay, I need to get a game plan going because all my friends are starting to, you know, kind of pull the trigger on what they're going to do with their lives and it just kind of felt like I was going downhill. What's weird is I wouldn't say I had a lot of self-esteem or confidence at that time in my life, but I did always feel like I was destined to do something with my life. And I just didn't know what that thing was. You know what I mean? So I was just lazy, kind of lost and just kind of going through that identity crisis. So what happened was I remember the day it all clicked um, with tattooing is I was at home. Like I said, I was being homeschooled and I was like, oh, I'm going to walk up to 7-Eleven and I'm going to go grab something to drink and like a snack, right? So I'd walked up there and I walked by the magazine aisle and I was like, you know, flipping through some magazines and then I saw a tattoo magazine and then I was, I was flipping through it and then in the very back, there was like artwork that people submitted like to where like if you drew something and they liked it, they would put it in the back of the tattoo magazine. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Cool. Uh, so I bought the magazine that day and I took it home and I remember I tried drawing some of the designs in the back and then it was like a light bulb went off. It was because up until that point, I had been drawing my whole life, but a lot of it was animation, comic book art, very just imaginative stuff. Like I wasn't the kind of guy that would look at something and redraw it. It was just like if I had an idea in my head, I would just draw it. 
so when it came to tattooing, it seemed like there was this endless amount of ideas that you can mishmash together, you know. And the first thing I drew, it was some sort of skull. I don't know if I had like a, a dagger with it or whatever, but I just remembered it kind of opened up this whole new window of, you know, things I could draw. And then that's when I was like, this could be something I pursue, you know, because up until that point, my thought was like, maybe I'll get an anim animation. Maybe I'll go to art school or try to work for Disney or something like that, because I really liked uh, animation. I loved cartoons. I loved watching any like animated movies. So there was always kind of a love for that. But I think as I got my first tattoo and started like being around people in the tattoo industry, I was like, yeah, this is a perfect fit for my personality. And this is about the only decent job I could do without like a high school diploma or any sort of degree, you know? Yeah. So did you have any like mentors at that time in the tattoo world or how did you kind of, you know, well, get situated in a shop and apprenticeship and all that stuff? Well, here's the funny thing is I was a punk kid, man. And I didn't realize it at the time because, you know, I went to church and I believed a lot of the stuff that church taught me. But I think my actions were very contradictory. You know, I was a rebellious kid. I, you know, I would talk back to my mom all the time. I had very much of like a punk rock attitude at that time. And I think tattooing was good for me because it kind of put me in check in a lot of areas of my life, you know it made me have to be more responsible. Um, I was the type I hated dealing with confrontation. So, you know, when you are a young guy learning how to tattoo, it's like you're, you're forced to deal with confrontation and conflict. Yeah. You know? and, and that's a lot of stuff that people get in their household from their dad or like their brothers. And I got a little bit of it, but not as much as I think I needed to get. So um, the first shop I worked at, um, I'll, I'll kind of tell you how that worked out. Basically what had happened was my art teacher at the time, she knew I was interested in doing tattoos. So she came in one day and she tosses a newspaper on my desk. And I was like, oh, what's this? She's like, oh, they did a, a write up on some pastor that's, that owns a tattoo shop. And I was like, what does that even mean, you know? Cause like to me, I didn't know what that meant. So I read the article and I was like, dang, this guy's like a pastor for a church and he owns a tattoo shop. Like that's insane, you know? So. I called him that day. I remember, you know, the phone number was on the thing. And uh, I, I called him that day when I got home from school. And he was kind of a, a jerk on the phone, you know, like, and he had, when he had answered the music blaring in the background, and he didn't seem like he cared about anything I had to say. And I just basically told him, I said, hey, I'm in high school. I'm trying to, you know, get my foot in the door. He goes, yeah, he goes, bring, bring your drawings down this week. And uh, I'll take a look at them and we can go from there, you know. What I had done was I had taken my, my art class portfolio because at the time you know you'd save all your art pieces from art class and you know you had them in a portfolio so I took them down and I was super intimidated because that was my first time walking into a tattoo shop that I was you know going to try to hopefully get a job at and I remember he was listening to metalcore when I walked in and I was like dude this place is sick <laughs> you know what I mean yeah and even though it was intimidating there was something about it I like you know and the dude was scary, like all that. But I just knew that, you know, he was a pastor. And I was like, okay, this, this has got to be a good thing. And then I was kind of surprised by how far along I was in my drawing and the amount of work I already had. And like, because I showed him all my artwork and he was like, oh, wow. He goes, you're, you're kind of further along than a lot of the people are that come in here. He goes, so I don't think you'll need to spend so much time on the drawing. We're going to have to put more time in the tattooing side, you know? Yeah. So I 
yeah. And, and that's the funny thing that I tell people is a lot of the mentoring and, and, and skills and things I learned, like life skills I learned was in a tattoo shop because it's like having older brothers, you know, and they're not afraid to tell you how it is or, you know, if, you know, I couldn't mouth off like I would with my parents, you know? So mm. it was like, you know, and then, I mean, one of, one of my first bosses that I worked for beat me up, dude. Like, and that, that, that was a bummer, man. And like, that was the first time I'd been in a real fight and I got my butt kicked, man. But it kind of made me realize, okay, there's consequences for my actions, mm. you know? So I think that's what tattooing gave me a lot of was just, you know, showed me like, it kind of put me in check, kind of like when people go to militaries or, you know, anything like that. It was like, I needed that, that tough love, I guess you'd say. Is that guy still tattooing? Not, not the guy that no, beat I, you up, but the, uh, the original pastor guy. Yeah. The guy that beat me up, actually, there's, there's no bad blood between us anymore. Um, but the first guy, so without getting too deep into it, basically I worked there for a little less than a year and then he he was kind of putting too much responsibility on me, right? So when I was first learning how to actually tattoo people, I would go to the shop, open up the shop for him, I would clean the whole shop, and then I would text him be like, hey, there's people coming in. What should I tell him? Like, when are you going to be here? Well, I think he had some family stuff going on at home. So I noticed it was very quickly into me learning how to tattoo. He's like, hey, if anyone comes in, just go ahead and take care of it. And I was like, what? I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? He was like, yeah, he's like, but if it's something small, like a little Chinese symbol or anything like that, he's like, just take care of it, you know, and just, you know, be honest with them. Tell them, like, you know, you're new, but, you know, you're going to give them a good deal. And I was like, okay, this this is crazy, you know. And, and I didn't do that. I was like, I, I can't do that, you know. So I told him, I said, how am I going to get better? I, I don't feel comfortable tattooing clients. He goes, well, will any of your friends get tattooed? And I was like, you know, so sure enough, I asked all my punk rock friends, like, hey, and all of them were like, yeah, dude, like you can tattoo my whole <laughs> arm, you know? So it was funny. I had no problem finding people that would let me practice. And I think I was kind of forced to, to learn too much too fast. Um, so I think, you know, working at that shop, I kind of jumped the gun. You know, it was like I got a taste of what tattooing was like. And it was like I just wanted to tattoo everyone, you know, and. I ended up leaving that shop because I felt like I wasn't learning anything anymore. And the way I left was pretty lame. Like I ended up packing up the shop one day and I left a note on the door and then never talked to the guy again, wow. you know? Yeah. And like I said, up until that point, like I always avoided confrontation, you know? So I knew he was going to be mad. So rather than like talk to him and, and tell him why I was leaving, I just left a note. And then, you know, I'm sure he hated me after that, you know? So it wasn't until the next shop and the next shop I went to, um, the guy that I worked for, he was ex-military and very alcoholic. And I didn't know he was an alcoholic at the time. Um, really friendly guy. But it was like when he was sober, he was like your best friend. And when he was drinking, like he was your worst enemy. He had actually agreed to apprentice me if I would just teach him how to draw. So I knew how to draw pretty good, but I didn't know how to tattoo. And he was vice versa. Like he knew how to replicate designs but was kind of lacking in the drawing abilities. So he was like, look, he's like, I won't even charge you anything. He was like, you can just come work for me. And it was like right around the corner from my house. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I was, you know, I was working, let's see, I was dropped out of high school at that time. So when all my friends would get out of high school, they would come over in the late afternoon. And I remember 
we were literally throwing parties at the tattoo shop. And when I say parties, I mean, it would be like 10 to 15 of my best buds. They'd all bring their skateboards and we would skate out front, listen to music super loud. I would tattoo them. Like we, we were just, it was crazy. You know, I, I was about 17, 18 years old making okay money for the age I was. And I was literally just doing what I wanted. You know, I was making art, I was skating, listening to music, going to shows and things like that. So I was still kind of irresponsible. And, and that's ended up why I ended up getting fired from that shop because, you know, my boss would come in the next day and it'd be like empty beer cans, like in the trash and the shop would be a mess. And it was like, you know, it was like almost like he, he gave me a little too much freedom and I didn't realize that I kind of took advantage of it. Mm. And so I got fired and then, you know, that, that's when I hit a crossroads, you know, because like I said, I was still living at home and, you know, my parents were like, hey, like if you're not going to school and you don't have a job, like you got to figure something out. Like, you got to get a job or do something. But I ended up getting a retail job at a clothing store and, you know, I was the guy that would fold shirts, put shirts away and greet people when they came in. And I think, you know, even though I had regular jobs before I got into tattooing, like I was a dishwasher. Um, I did like a newspaper delivery service. Like I had regular jobs, but it was like once I got a taste of tattooing and that lifestyle, like I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I imagine it's the same for guys who are in a touring band for years and then they get a regular job. You know, it's like you're always going to think about life on the road or what it was like, um, the glory days, you know? Yeah, I still think about that over a decade, decade past. So, but well, yeah, what's, I, I guess sorry, just, sorry to interrupt uh, you, but. Yeah. I'm wondering if you were at the show where I first saw Means because I bought one of your guys' CDs. So a lot of my buddies that liked metal and hardcore, they, they told me about Face Down Fest. So I went to Face Down Fest, and, and the, what stood out about Means to me was when your guys' clean vocalist would sing. I was like, dude, that sounds so good because you guys were heavy, but then your singer sounded good live. And I remember I went to your guys' merch thing after, and I bought I bought your CD. And I'm the type of guy, like, I'll buy a CD and it'll, it won't leave my CD player for, like, three months, you know? So I listened to that thing, like, on repeat for a long time. So yeah, it's that's crazy. how things come full circle because, you know, there was a lot of bands like that, you know, War of Ages and a few others that I kind of listened to religiously. So when you had said you were in that band, I was like, dude, no way. It's, it's just crazy, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's, I'm glad we're uh, a fan of each other's art. That's, uh, that's really <laughs> rad. And there, you know what's crazy is there's been a few experiences like that because there's, like, I I envy what you used to do. You know, like, I played in a band for about six years, and I was never really good enough to, like, be like, yeah, I can make this. You know, I could do this for a living. But when I saw guys that were extremely good at music, I was always like, man, I would love to mm. be that, you know, so... Yeah, but look, I think, go ahead. I was gonna say it goes both ways when I see when I see art. Like I've never been good at art. I've kind of somewhat tried it a little bit over the years, and was just like I suck at this. My wife is actually an amazing artist, and yeah. so I mean it's all around our house, and it's just one of those skills that that I wish I had because I love the art so much. Um, so yeah, that's why I love guys like you. That just every time you put something on, it's like okay, well you know I don't have to feel bad that I can't do it because someone else is doing it so much better so so that's awesome but that's how i feel because i still play guitar like i have my guitar and my bass and i'll I'll write riffs and 
and it's just it's just not there man like I'll, you know i have fun doing it but it's just it's not in my bag of tricks <laughs> to be yeah. a great guitar player you know do you still see any of those early tattoos that you did like are you still friends with any of those guys and and see that artwork around so i don't see a lot of them but i will run into them occasionally and i mean for instance i when i did that afi sheet recently and a guy sent me a photo on Facebook of an AFI tattoo I did on him in 2006. And that was when I was only one year into tattooing because I started in 2005. And I was actually surprised. Like, I wasn't impressed by it. But I was like, well, that's not too bad, you know, for being a year into tattooing. Like, it wasn't too bad. But I'm I'm almost never stoked on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> always critical. Even to this day, like, I'll show my wife a tattoo that I did, like, recently and I'm, and I'm like i don't know if i'm gonna post it like i don't know if i like the photo and she's like you're overthinking it you know yeah well that, that's a good transition so you recently started releasing band inspired tattoo flash which i think is a genius idea you know considering so many music fans want tattoos to commemorate their favorite bands and now they have you know your art to inspire them or they can go buy the flash sheets and just hang it in their room if they want or whatever how did this idea come about to you so that again is kind of like a fluke. So I will give credit to my buddies. Uh, they're in a band called this wildlife. They had reached out to me and were like, Hey, and I think when was this, this was either, this must've been at the beginning of this year. They were like, Hey, you know, we want to put out a flash sheet with, you know, our artwork, but our lyrics on it, you know? And what's weird is like, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, okay, cool. That's something kind of different. But at this time I wasn't really painting a lot because I was so busy with tattooing that I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can, I'll, I'll figure it out. You know? Um, so when I did it, it kind of like opened up a new, I shouldn't say open up, but it, it kind of like lit a, a spark on me and that I didn't have in a long time for painting again, you know, because I had just gotten so deep with tattooing that I'd never had time to paint but it made me realize how much I miss painting. And then I think combining, you know, music, because like for me, if there's an emotional attachment to the piece I'm working on, then I'm a lot more into it. And I think that's what kind of clicked to me. I said, if I'm doing bands that I really love and are kind of have an emotional attachment to, then I think that's good. Because I think people can see when you're putting out something that's a gimmick or that's not authentic. And I think with the band stuff, that's that's what I wanted to do. I said, okay, these are I'm going to put out bands that have had a huge impact on my life in one way or another. And hopefully there's still people out there that are the same way. Because I know, you know, the guys that listen to the same music as me, they're in their, you know, late 30s, mid 30s, um, if not older. So I didn't know what my demographic of people on Instagram were. I was like, they might be young kids that have no idea who AFI is or you know, any of these bands. So I think it wasn't until after I released the first one that I was like, okay, people are kind of digging this and it was fun, you know? Yeah. So how do you decide like what bands you're going to do? I mean, uh, you've, you've made a few posts about, you know, you're, you're hoping to put a book together and so there's obviously a, a good sized list of bands. So do, is it just kind of the, the most influential bands in your life or ones that, uh, that you've connected with, you know, more personally, or how do you kind of decide which ones to do and what order to do them? Well, it's a little bit of a lot of things. So 
like the next one I'm doing is social distortion. And if anyone that is close to me will probably say, oh, that's weird. I, I've never really heard you say much about social distortion. And I've always liked social distortion. Social distortion is one of those bands that they're so iconic that they wouldn't be the first CD I grabbed, but if I hear them, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it up. You know, if they come on the radio, if, and I think with them, I have always loved their lyrics. So when it came to thinking of bands, they were one of the first bands that came to mind because I was like, they have idea or they have songs that kind of paint a picture for you and tell a story. And they were just one that purely for lyrics, I was like, they're gonna be a great band. So there's going to be bands like that that you know I love them and I you know they're they're a really great band, but then there's going to be bands that are closer to my heart if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, another band is Gaslight Anthem. Like I I didn't get into them till about three years ago, and they're I love them for their lyrics, you know, and and, and their sound, you know. And there's just such a variety, you know. There's there's some classic rock, some metalcore, some punk. Um, I even thought about doing kind of like a 50s one, you know, because there's a, a few uh, like oldies songs that I like, Johnny Cash, things like that. So it, it, what's what's fun about it, Aaron, is like it's not one of those things. Like, here's the thing. Like, so say if someone told you to write a song and there's no like emotional connection to that thing, then it's going to feel forced. But I feel like up to now, every piece I've done there's been something that has genuinely inspired me to do it. Um, and that's why I haven't set a set order is because I like to have something come to mind and go, okay, I'm really have these ideas in my head. And this band is the band that I need to get out there. You know, it's kind of mm -hmm. like when you have an idea for a song in your head, and yeah. you're like, I need to get this out before I forget it. Or, you know what I mean? It's like when those creative juices are flowing, you got to act on it. And that's how it's been. And it's so weird because I haven't had anything like that because with tattooing and, and art in general, it's easy to get into kind of just a rhythm, you know, where you're like, you're just kind of doing it. And then like that inspiration gets lost or you kind of plateau. And I think with the music, it, it opened an emotional connection to me, to my art that I haven't had in a really long time. And I think people can see that, you know, even, even if they don't see that as an emotional connection to me, but they might see an AFI sheet and be like, oh man, that reminds me of, you know, the early 2000s hanging out with those people that are, you know, and that's what music does. I think music and tattoos, they kind of timestamp things for you. They, they remind you of a place in time when you heard it or when you got that tattoo. So I think that's why I love music and doing these music sheets so much is because the emotional attachment that you have to them, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. How do you go about, you know, like say for a band like Blink, I mean, they've probably got a hundred songs that you could pick a lyric from to make a cool image of. So how do you go about picking, you know, the five or, you know, I think it's typically five, right? That's on a sheet or however many, yeah. like how do, is it just whatever your favorite lines are or, or a line that an image kind of pops into your head right away. So you just kind of go with it. So usually what I do is I'll pick my, my top five favorite songs from that band. Right. And if, and I'll listen to what, 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 what's fun about it, man, is I get into full character, man, as silly as that sounds. Like, if, I, if I'm doing a Blink flash sheet, I'm listening to Blink that whole week. I'm, I'm going around my house. I'm listening to Blink. I'm like, okay, I'm, I get fully immersed in the band again. And then I like to let it inspire me because if to me, it's like 
sometimes I'll listen to a song and be like, oh, I forgot about that song and I forgot how much I like those lyrics, you know? So if I listen, if I listen to my top five favorite songs and there's no lyrics that jump out to me that would make a good image, I go, okay, well, what's, what's a song that I like because of what the lyrics say, but maybe I don't love the song as much, but I like the lyrics, you know? Yeah. So I kind of go down from there. So sometimes it comes real easy, like, you know, like I'm, I'm going to do a Tom Petty sheet, you know, and that one is going to be hard for me because there's so many oh, yeah. songs that I love from Tom Petty. But I think that one I'm going to go based off, okay, well, what's going to make a good image? And then which are the ones that I'm most emotionally connected to? But I, I would say to answer your question, it starts with which ones I have an emotional attachment to. And then if there's nothing I can pull out of that image wise. And I think the hard part is really trying to dig deep. And it's the same with writing lyrics. You know, it's like anyone can write down lyrics and, and make it fit the melody. But it's like, you know, when you come up with something clever and you like smile and you're like, oh, yeah, that's the one, you know, and that's I don't have those. I, the thing I've noticed is with every sheet I do, there's always one I don't really care for. And then there's one that I like the most. Hmm. And I think that's just be, that's just how it goes. Same with writing a record, you know, like you, you put your heart into it but there's always going to be that one that's your favorite or there might be those one or two that you're like, you know, I like those, but it doesn't give me that feeling that that one does, you know? Yeah, and, and that's okay because, you know, it's as a creator, knowing where it's come from, you're going to be more picky about it. But as an audience, they don't know that. They just see, you know, oh, this is a blink sheet. This is awesome. I love this band. This all, you know, it all looks cohesive. So it's it's a good reminder to maybe just, you know, maybe not be so hard on yourself or... It's okay to put things out there. Um, like I'm not saying to put stuff out there that you know you feel like you did half-ass, but just you know if it if it fits the cohesive piece, then then it's still a great piece. Thank you. And the funny thing is, like a thing that a lot of people like comment on, they're like, "Dude, you just like bust these out like so quick." But it's like I wish people could see the process because it's like I'll be like in my garage listening to the band pacing around and they're like okay i need to take a break and like think about this so it's like a lot goes into it mentally to where like when i'm done with the sheet i'm like i'm mentally drained you yeah. know but even though to some people like oh you cranked that out in a few days it's like but yeah like i spent one entire day just listening to the band non-stop going through lyrics you know almost kind of like you do with the writing process of music it's like you don't just do it real quick, you know, it's like there's there's a formula to it and you have to be emotionally invested. So I think some 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 designs come easier to me and then some take forever, you know. Mm. So, yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. That was actually uh, what my next question was. So uh, thanks for reading my mind. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. how, how has the response been so far? Have you had any of the bands reach out? Like I know you're trying to get, you know, people to tag the bands and has there been any kind of response from that? Well, it's funny because, you know, that that's always like a kind of like a, a joke that my wife and I've had, like, you know, like with Metallica, when I put out the sheet, like I knew it's like a one in a million chance that A, they're going to see it or even say anything, you know, but I, you know, my wife sits there and Todd like, said, oh, well, what if, what if they liked it and bought one from you, you know, and, and that's always cool to think about, you know, and it's easy to get lost in that. But I think for me, I just like seeing that people are stoked on it you know and there's certain bands that i know like like azalea dying didn't get a huge response but the people that bought it they were like those diehard fans and right. so to me, 
if a, a print sells not as much and then another one sells more, I don't think that makes it not as cool or better or whatever. It's like, even if those handful of people are diehard fans, like I'm glad that they got that sheet. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would be cool. I mean, I just look at, I just try to put myself in the band shoes. If I was in a band and I saw that a dude put time into putting basically our music into art form, like, like that's just kind of cool. It's kind of like when someone does a cover of your, your music or, you know, it's just another interpretation of your music. So I just would hope that they'd be like, oh, that's cool. I mean, you know, even if I don't hear them say that, just knowing they're like, oh, that's, I dig that. That's rad, you know, because I had sent the guys from AFI my art and, you know, two of the guys responded and they're like, dude, that, that's super cool, man. You know, and, and just the fact that they even did that, I was like, that's cool because these are guys that I've listened to since I was like in middle school, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, you're, you're doing it for, you know, your outlet and so you can't. Right, it's just like bands that they record an album. They're doing it because they want to do it, right? They're, yes, they're doing it for the fans and you know as a medium to get it out there and to sell their work. But I mean, you have to be happy with it. You can't, you know, get too caught up in, you know, does this one thing sell or if it doesn't? It's like you know what, you did this piece. It turned, you know, hopefully you're happy with it and you put it out there and kind of for people to take it or leave it, I guess. Okay, and to be honest with you, one of my early thoughts when I got into tattooing. You know, when I was listening to bands like War of Ages and a lot of like Christian metal, I remember thinking like, man, if I could tattoo those guys one day, like that would be cool because I love talking to people about music, especially while I'm tattooing. So I think if I'm going to be honest, there are certain bands that if I did get a chance to get in a room with, um, I would just want to have a conversation with them because there's something crazy in my head about you know, watching this band grow over the years, over like a generation, and then thinking like, man, I could be in the room and finally ask them all the questions that, you know, I've wanted, wanted to ask them. Like when I got a chance to tattoo Nick 13 from Tiger Army, like I, they were like a huge band for me growing up, you know, and I obviously try to keep it together and act cool, but there were so many questions that I was genuinely excited to ask him. So I think from that standpoint, if there were some bands that I had the time to talk to, I would be super stoked. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe especially with the area you're in, I mean, you're probably not too far from, from a lot of guys, but I, I don't know how that goes. Maybe it's too weird putting it out there being, hey, you want to come get tattooed by me? I loved your band. but <laughs> And that's what's so hard because a lot of the band, I mean, especially with bands like Blink, it's like I think about how many people just probably send them an insane amount of messages. It's like, if it happens naturally, then I would be stoked. But I also wouldn't want them to think that I'm going to be, you know, fangirling and making it super weird. I just, there's just so many questions that I have about bands, you know, like it's the same with podcasts, you know, it's like you get excited when you hear a podcast because you love hearing how they got started, how they got into it. And th those are the things I want to ask these guys, the, the stuff that hasn't really been talked about. So it's, it's just more for my own personal thing. Why I'd want to, you know, meet them, not just like as a fan, but just to, you know, pick their brain about a lot of stuff. Cause even though I don't play in a band, it's like, there's so many questions I still have about the music industry or just hearing people's success stories. Like those are always the best stories, you know? Yeah. What would you, yeah. on that note, what would you say is your biggest su success at this point in your career? Honestly, man, just being able to support a family with art. Like that's the thing I always think about. Like there are definitely highlights, you know, like when dudes from ghost inside complimented 
the sheet, you know, like that was a huge thing for me. But I think at the end of the day, just being able to pay my bills, doing art is like super, super crazy to me because I remember when I was first getting into it, like I was just at a weird point in life where I thought I was going to be a loser, you know? Mm. And the fact that I have kids now and I have a wife and, you know, I'm able to put a roof over their head with tattooing is just mind boggling to me because if you would have told me that when I was younger, it, it's crazy. And, and that's where I, I kind of see the parallels with music. You know, when you're starting a band, you're never in a million years thinking like, oh yeah, this will one day, you know, pay my mortgage or, you know, put gas in my car. So I think the fact that it's, it's gotten me here, I try to never forget that. I mm. always try to be grateful that tattooing has given me most of the things I've had, not only the life lessons, but just able to provide for a family, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. And a really cool outlook. And it's, I mean, I love hearing that, you know, where you came from, you know, you kind of didn't know what your future was going to be dropped out of school. You kind of, you know, were connected with music and tattooing and, and then you you learn all these lessons and it, it kind of gives you a path, you know, nothing was necessarily like, you know, just handed to you as, you know, maybe some, that does happen with some artists, but you know, it's, it's really cool to, to kind of look back to see your work in progress and kind of the, you know, the payout of it or the, you know, the fruit that comes from that. So that's a, yeah, that's a really cool story. Thank you. And a a big thing that I would say that I see a lot of artists struggle with is finding your identity in art. And I'm sure it's the same in music. You know, it's like when you're a band starting out, like you just want to sound like the bands you like, or when you're an artist, you want to imitate, you know, the people you like. And that just comes with time, you know what I mean? Because I'll have people ask me that, like, oh, like, well, how did you find your style? I'm like, dude, it, it's, it kind of happens when you're, you're not trying, you know? It's mm. like, it's, I've, I've tried so many different things. It's been a lot of trial and error. And I think in the process of trying to find yourself, it, it kind of happens when you're not realizing it. Um, and, and I'm still evolving, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm still switching it up or, you know, changing things that I wouldn't have done even six months ago. So I think you shouldn't stress on that too much. Just kind of let, let it take you where it's going to take you. And I think in time, you know, you're, you're going to be an individual and you're going to find your own style without meaning to, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. The last, uh, last question I have is just about uh, the clothing line that you kind of recently put out. Um, so kind of besides it being another medium to use your art, what, what inspired you to, to pursue this? <laughs> well, if I'm be honest, I think the quarantine kind of inspired it. Uh, not that I've just started to want to do a clothing brand when quarantine started, but I did notice a lot of people kind of chasing the hobbies they always wanted to do when they're off work. So I think the quarantine kind of gave me that push. I was like, you know what? I've always done apparel and I I enjoy making apparel just as much as I do tattooing in the sense that, you know, you have an idea, you put it to paper and then you get to watch people wear it, you know? And I think the entire process of the way, you know, merchandise is made, I love all of it. And I love getting to see the reaction of the customer that, that wears it, you know? Yeah. So that's why I have an attachment for it. Um, and, and it's one of those things where you're constantly learning. You know, it's like just when you think you have one thing figured out, you'll learn something new and go, oh, okay. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's people that are like, oh, it's crazy. Why this guy, you know, he's doing good at tattooing. Why, why a clothing brand? And, and dude, that's how I am. 
I mean, if I have a creative itch, I'm going to itch it. And it drives my wife absolutely nuts, you know. Like when, <laughs> I, when I started the podcast, you know, like, because I genuinely love talking to people because that's a huge part of my job. Yeah. You know? Like, I do every day. And there's so many conversations I have to where I'm like, if this was recorded, people, lives would change. Like, literally. Because people, it's like the therapy chair. When you're in the tattoo chair, people that I've met for five minutes will tell me the most heaviest or happiest or, you know, crazy stories. And you just wish someone was around to hear it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's sparked the podcast for me. But then, you know, I had to kind of realize like, Hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe some things are sacred that no one else gets to hear it, you know, because for me, I have so much on my plate, man. And I think like we were talking earlier, sometimes it's good to just look at the people that are doing a great job at it and just let them do it, you know? And that's kind of where I'm with the podcast. As much as I would love to do it, there's so many people doing a great job and I'll just continue talking to my clients. And But yeah, I, I think there's so many creative endeavors on my to-do list still that I think it would give a lot of people a headache, you know? It's just, that's how I am, you know? It's like if, if, if something's really fascinating to me and it's, it's, it's going to scratch that itch for me, then I'm usually going to do it. Yeah, right on. So if people yeah. want to check out your art or buy some Flash or Traditions Collection clothing, where can they find you? So my personal tattoo page is at Jacob Donny Tattoo on Instagram. And then Traditions Collection is at Traditions Collection on Instagram. Um, it's still new. It's only a few months old. I run everything for the clothing brand out of my garage. Um, it's very you know limited quantities. I do all the shipping myself. Um, so yeah, I, I think the thing with that, it was something that I just wanted to start kind of like with tattooing. I wanted to start at the bottom, not really knowing much and then let it slowly grow on its own. Um, and just see where, see where it goes, you know? And I think as, as long as I'm doing it and it's not losing the fun, I think that's what I've learned over time is like with art, there's things you can't force, uh, because people will see if it's disingenuous or it's forced or you're doing it for the wrong reasons, people are going to notice. And I think with tattooing and clothing, that's, that's kind of where I'm at is I want to keep doing it so long as it's making me happy and it's enjoyable to do. Um, but yeah, Instagram's the best. And then um, the, the website link for the traditions collection is in both the traditions collection bio and the Jacob Donnie tattoo one. And I am taking time off right now for mental health stuff like we talked about. So you know, I, I've been posting mostly just that, not too many tattoos. So I'm sure once I get back to work full time, I'll be posting a lot more tattoos and less clothing stuff. Yeah, right on. Keep doing what you're doing, even though I know, you know, it's, it comes with some challenges and, and dealing with mental health and stuff. But yeah, man, I'm stoked to hear that art kind of helps to, um, you know, bring positivity to that and, and, a, and a good outlet because there's you know, lots of lots of negative outlets that could be taken with that. So thanks for being a, a good example of kind of how to how to use positivity to to bring about some change. Absolutely, thanks, man. I appreciate that, and I'm glad that we finally got to make this happen. We've been talking about it for a little while, so I appreciate it. Oh, geez, look at the butt on there. Yeah, he must work out. <laughs>